In our first reading, we have is a letter written to St. Saul to this late gentleman named Philemon. He was a well-to-do man, a Christian. But in this letter, we see an incredible sensitivity and incredible awareness what a Christian should be, who Christian is, and how we should treat one another. The story is very simple. St. Paul writes a letter to Philemon. He speaks of him as his brother who helped him a lot, who assisted him in many things out of love for Paul. But what happens is when he's in Rome, when Paul is in Rome in prison, he was living for two years under guard, but he was still able to see people. He could not leave the house, but he was able to receive people. And so what happened is that he receives a slave, a runaway slave. His name was Onesimus. He receives him, and this slave becomes Christian. And Paul is not only close to him, but he utilizes him for various work that he has to do in terms of proclamation, the gospel. So, so what we have is Onesimus is a, is a runaway slave, but he becomes Christian. And, and, and he is very close to St. Paul, and St. Paul is close to him. Now, but St. Paul also is close to Philemon, his owner, slave owner, or the, you know, the, the well-to-do man. And so St. Paul convinces him, convinces uh, Onesimus, which means he's useful. That's what it means in Greek, Odazimus, useful. Someone is useful. He, uh, he convinces himself that he should go back to Philemon to continue to be a servant, but under very different uh, structure, so to speak. He is a servant, but he's a brother. And so he writes his letter to Philemon and says, look, Yes, he was your slave or your servant, but you cannot treat him as that. He's your brother. He's a brother in Christ. And he's willing to go. I am sending him to him. But you have to treat him as a brother, a Christian, fellow Christian, no longer in the categories of servant master, but in the categories of servant to each other because they're servants of God. And so St. Paul writes this, with incredible sensitivity. He says, I know that because he ran away, you lost. You lost perhaps uh, uh, in his service. You, 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 had to, um, you had a loss, a material loss as well. And he says to him, I will restore everything to you, whatever you've lost. I'll give you everything. That's because that's not, I wish that, that you know, to, to, to serve justice here. But on the other hand, you have to welcome him. You have to welcome Onesimus as your brother in Christ. And you have to treat him as your brother in Christ. You're all equal. I, I tell you, this, this is it's absolutely fascinating, fascinating letter. Uh, because, because what happens is this, is that uh, is, is he's no longer, have him back no longer as a servant or slave. More, but more than a slave, a brother, a beloved brother of, of Christ and beloved brothers of yours. 
for me, I, I could sort of get excited over things like that because it shows the, the sensitivity of Paul, not to perhaps to change all the structures, social structures, but to heal the structures by the power of God's grace, by power of God's love. So there's no more slave and servant. There's no more man or woman. There's no more Jew and Gentile. All of you are one in Christ. And our love for each other has to grow, not because of the type of services we do for one another. It's because we are brothers who help one another along the way to enter kingdom, to enter heaven. Today in our gospel, what we hear is the, uh, it was asked by Pharisees, and because Jesus spoke of the kingdom, the kingdom, God's reign, God's kingdom. And so the Pharisees asked him, okay, well, you talk about this kingdom, so when will this kingdom come? You, you speak of this kingdom, coming of the kingdom, and they want to say concretely, so when is this kingdom come? And I do not know what they intended to say. Was it political kingdom or some other type, most likely political kingdom? And, and, uh, and, and Jesus speaks in a very different way. The kingdom that I proclaim is not something that's visible. It is manifested not in political power, but in transforming that, the human heart, transformation from within. And that's why it can only be visible in its effects rather than in its reality, because it's not something concrete, well, because it consists of this person and this structure or this political party or whatever it is. It's not that, it's not visible, because it's a gift, a spiritual gift that God gives us, transforming gift with, from within. That's why the, the kingdom of God is like a seed, tiny seed, but when it grows, it produces an effect or it's like leaven that produces, that transforms flour into dough, into bread. So from within is a transforming power of grace. And so this is what the first, the first thing that Jesus says. So don't say no one will come. And he says, look, it's here or there, you know, in particular structures, political, social structures, it's a spiritual reality because the kingdom of God is among you because the Son of God has come and he has given us the gift of the Holy Spirit. He has given us the gifts, the sacramental gifts, the proclamation, the kerygma, the, the good, good news that can transform us, the good news that God has so loved the world that he gave us his Son, that God is merciful, that God forgives our sins, that God is preparing us for eternal and for eternal glory, for paradise. But then his disciples, he turns to the disciples and he says, the days will come when you will long to see one of the days of the Son of Man, but you will not see it, which means that after Jesus' re resurrection and ascension, that he will no longer be with them. Yes, and so, but on the other hand, don't be so gullible as to say, okay, he's coming here or he's coming there because of the second coming of Christ because of the second coming that people will say, okay, he is the one. He says, no, this is not it. Don't go off, do not run in pursuit because the Lord will come just like a lightning flashes 
and lights up the sky from one side to the other, so the Son of Man will come in his day. So the second coming will be something that it will be immediate and yet, and yet will be visible. It will be visible, we know that. So that, that's not because of a particular person. But first he must suffer greatly and be rejected by this generation. So the kingdom of God is a gift of the Father through his Son. The gift of the kingdom is the rule, the reign within our hearts, which manifests itself in a society, in the way we live, the way we treat each other, the way we, we um, live with the awareness of the, of the future life and how we implement this teaching, how we implement his, his uh, uh, partake of his grace and, and, and be transformed by it. Now, today we honor St. Leo the Great, who was born in year 400 and died in 461. So he was 61 years old. He became Pope when he was 40, so in 440, and was uh, ruled as, uh, as, as Pope till 461. Now, he's an interesting person a brilliant young man. While he was a deacon, the Pope already utilized him for his work, whether he sent him to Constantinople or others. He was always sent to negotiate and reconcile warring parties. He was always man of peace, but brilliant, and yet man filled with faith, love for the Lord. This is one of those characteristics because we know subsequently what he, in what he wrote, and he wrote many letters, over 100 letters that he, uh, homilies and 150 letters, we have those. So we know how he did, what he did, how he preached, what he taught. Uh, yes, on one level, he was able to reconcile people. On the other hand, he was, he had a, a brilliant mind and a man of incredible faith and theological insight, insights. Whatever the problems, difficulties were, on the historical level, everybody praises him that he was the one who, when Attila the Hun wanted to destroy Rome, ransack, destroy and burn and kill, he was able to, to negotiate with him and he was able to protect the city of Rome. I mean, it's something that is very hard to do. Today, we try to negotiate with Putin and what's going on. Not exactly those who are set to win. They wanted to take immediately and say, yeah, okay, I'm not going to attack Ukraine. I'm not going to do this. You know, it's very hard to convince some people who, are, who know that they can they have power. They already have overcome many, and they, they, they want to, uh, you know, to take the, the riches away for his own people, for whatever purposes, you know, to, to, to attack. And so, and yet here it is, this, this pagan, this military, you know, man who doesn't really care about spiritual things. And yet the incredible gifts that he had in able to communicate this truth this, to this, uh, you know, barbarian, we could say, and yet he's able to do that, to protect the people so they won't be burned, won't be destroyed, won't be raped, won't be this. He loved the people, he cared for them. He would stick out his head in order and, and really take the blows if necessary to protect others. He loved the poor. He was always, he had all kinds of 
action, but but his his social political activity never dimmed the responsibility that he had for the church. And this is this is the the, the incredible thing during the huge crisis in the church, huge crisis at that time it was a big heresy, an Nestorian heresy which we did not know how to, who was Jesus? How was he human? How was he was divine? Who was he? Was there Mary, was Mary just a, just a mother of Jesus, the physical one? And, and then, then Jesus was also the son of God. We did not know how to put it all together. And so there's all kinds of you know, heresies, there's all kinds of discussions and, and, and struggles, theological struggles. And he was able to articulate it with such clarity that he was not only he was fully human, fully divine in one person, fully human, fully divine. Against were known as monophysites, which was people who said that he was only of one nature. But he says no, he was one person. In one person, we have, we have the, the, the uh, Jesus being fully human and fully divine, and that is something which already in 431 in Council of Ephesus was stated. But then. People did not know how to put it all together. He, had to, he was challenged also by other types of teaching, known as heretical teachings, Pelagianism. Pelagianism, um, Pelagius, who was, was a theologian, it takes a good theologian to come up with a good heresy. So, so, so that's why, uh, but not a perfect theologian, <laughs> just a good one. And, and, and so he said, look, what's wrong with you? You don't really, you know, like you take a look at yourself, Yes, you're not disciplined, you're this, not that, and that, and all this stuff, that's your problem. If you were really this or that, you'll be able to overcome all your problems. You know, obviously, some people do it today, too. You know, maybe parents tell their children the same way. However, however, Pelagius did not accept the reality of sin in us original sin, the consequences of sin, the weakness which is there, no matter how much we try, we'll not be able to overcome overcome some of the tendencies without the help of God. And we know that, you know, the 12-step uh, the program, how does it work? You, you accept, first of all, God, whether you want to call it supreme being, whatever it is, that he's the one who can help you. You're not able to do so because, you know, we're trapped in that human weakness, the original consequence, original sin, but God can and will is a benevolent, is a, is, a, is a loving God. And so, so again, Pelagian says, well, we don't, you know, we didn't, he didn't appreciate that, that original sin. He did not appreciate the weaknesses that we have inherited, that we're, we're, we're struggling with, and so we need grace. And so it was St. Augustine who, had to ch who challenged this because he also lived in the same century, and also Pope Leo was able to address these issues now. We, there's original sin, there's a power of evil in us, but the power of Christ, his sanctification, this divinization that he offers to us is able to help us to overcome, even if it takes us years. But nonetheless, if we keep the focus and, uh, and, and on the Lord, receive the grace, you know, allow Jesus to work in us through his sacraments, then we will be able to overcome that. Uh, another heresy was, was was the uh, uh, Manichaean, a Manichaean heresy, which means that all the matter is evil. Our bodies and everything else is evil. And we have to kind of reject this, and it doesn't matter what we do in our bodies, we can sin whatever we can do, as long as our spirit is strong. 
once again, the church would say, okay, and look Pope Leo as well. He says, no, it's not, because that means we deny the very reality of incarnation. We deny that God not only created us good, even though we have been affected by sin and have become poisoned by it or weak, nonetheless, the body was made by God and it was given to us as book of Genesis this is good. Secondly, that Jesus embraced his body without sin and to elevate it to a higher degree because that means now human body is also precious, is holy. The whole theology of St. John Paul II on the theology of the body precisely speaks of that, is that human sexuality is also holy, that human relationships are holy because, because God gives us this gift, this gift that is transforming us. And, and with, with the Lord, we're able to enter profound communion between man and woman to such a degree that they, they think with one heart they're capable unless the sin enters, unless pride enters, egotism enters, that's why it separates the two because it is still the original sin is there and consequences of sin are there. And yet we have the power to overcome with Jesus, with the grace, the sacramental grace, you know, love that flows through the Eucharist, through the sacraments is with us, sacrament of penance. So Pope Leo had to, was challenged by, by those heresies and he was able to clar clearly spell it out. But what was so important was his spiritual uh, writings, his sermons and, and his, uh, his letters. And there's one thing that he emphasized and it's so important, he says, Christian, realize your dignity. Realize who you are. Realize what God is giving you. What God has given you in Christ. Realize that dignity. Once made a partaker of divine nature, do not return to your former baseless, baseness by the life unworthy of your dignity. Once you have become baptized, once you have received the Eucharist, do not go back. You are partakers of divinity. Don't forget who you are, because if you forget, sin will overcome you, and the, all the evil tendencies will overtake you, and then you lose the dignity. You cannot lose. This is the gift of God to you. Remember whose head it is and whose body of which you constitute a member. Recall how you had been wrestled, wrested from the power of darkness and brought into the kingdom of God. You were, you were given this through the sacrament of baptism. You were made a temple of the Holy Spirit. Do not drive away such a dweller by your wicked actions and subject yourself again to servitude under the devil because your price is the very blood of Christ because he will judge you in truth who has redeemed you in mercy. He is your Lord who comes into you this is what we are today. We are to realize our dignity. Who are we? That God who created this universe, this incomprehensible reality that we see are around us. This, he's the one who enters us. He's within us. That's why Pope Leo says, realize your dignity. Don't forget who you are, because if you forget who you are, then you, you function on a on, on level which is not truly of the children of God. 
and you will, you, you, you will be persuaded by beliefs and ideas and things which are not really leading you to, to, to greatness or to eternal life, but to servitude, leading you only to a trap, removing from you hope, removing from you joy, removing from you love. And that's the invitation that Pope Leo today is addressing to us. Realize who you are as Christians. Do not let ideologies, philosophies, blindness of today, preoccupations of today control you so much that you have lost the perspective and you're no longer able to live, to give witness to Christ, to live the kingdom that Jesus has brought and that, that kingdom whose full, whose full reality will only be manifested in life to come. It's already here. May the Lord then, through especially through his word addressed to us, but also through the Eucharist, is coming into our hearts. May he strengthen us. May he remove anything which binds us and keeps, away, keeps us away from him. May the Eucharist help us to see and realize that we are called to be children of God. And so we are by his love, by his mercy, and by his presence. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content, which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit DivineMercyPlus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's DivineMercyPlus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.